How's that? <laughs> I couldn't say it better myself. And that's from the Bible Society, and there's a little booklet from the Bible Society and the packs that have been made up for the, for the children today. <clears throat> well, um, in this Holy Week, we've been asking a series of questions. Uh, last Sunday, being Palm Sunday, we posed the question, which crowd? Which crowd would we have been in? Would we have been in that, that rapturous crowd on the first Palm Sunday, hailing Jesus as our King, expecting, as it said in that little video, that He was going to overthrow the Romans and establish a new kingdom on earth? Or would we have been in that second crowd that cried out for Barabbas? Release Him, not Jesus. We want Jesus crucified because He disappointed us. He didn't turn out to be the king that we had expected him to be. I wonder whether I might have actually been in both crowds. On the one hand, hailing him as my king, the one who was going to set me free from earthly oppression. And then when I discovered he wasn't the king of my own making, turn on him. Because he didn't meet my expectations. That was the question that we posed on Palm Sunday. Then on Good Friday we asked the question, which cross, which cross might we have been on? And we dismiss the cross of the scoffer pretty quickly. Because we're not scoffers. But it's not so easy to dismiss the other two crosses. The second criminal, the second robber, as he hung on that cross, he admitted that he was who he was, a sinner, and that he deserved punishment. Jesus said to him, you will be with me today in paradise. And perhaps many of us feel like that robber. But in fact, the real challenge to us is to be on that Centre cross, the cross that is always depicted in the centre, in artwork, of the crucifixion story. And the real question we have to ask is whether or not we ourselves are crucified with him. Are we prepared to give up everything to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Are we prepared to give up on our own ambition? Are we even prepared to give up on our preconceived ideas of what this king might be like? Are we prepared to be crucified with him? Today, being Resurrection Sunday, a, a day of great celebration, we ask the question, which stone? You see, there really are two types of tombs. There's the tomb where the stone was rolled away and there's the whitewashed tomb. Tombs were often whitewashed. They were painted with a white uh, paint made up mainly of chalk dust. It was done to, to cover up all of the mistakes, perhaps even the shoddiness of the handiwork. When Jesus, though, referred to the scribes and the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs, 
This is what he said. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I don't really want to focus on hypocrisy and, and wickedness. It's not my, my purpose to make us feel lonely about our own sinfulness. But I want us to think of the whitewashed tomb and what's inside. What did Jesus say? Inside it's full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Think about the other tomb. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered up into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. He didn't rise from a whitewashed tomb. He rose from a tomb that had been set aside for somebody else. But he did indeed rise on that third day. The miraculous power of God moved that stone. We can be absolutely certain of that because the Romans had set guards around the entrance to the tomb. And they, they were there on pain of death. They knew that should they fail in their task, they would be put to death. That's reason enough to pay attention. But yet, the stone was rolled away. And the power of God, nothing else, the power of God raised Jesus from the dead. Do we choose the stone of the resurrection tomb or the stone of the whitewashed tomb? Do we really have faith in the risen Lord Jesus? Or is our faith a faith in a whitewashed tomb in which there is nothing but brokenness and uncleanness. In the tomb where Jesus was laid, there was nothing but his burial garment. That tomb was clean. The angels asked the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Is our faith in the stone that was rolled away? 
or is our faith in the stone that covered the entrance to the whitewashed tomb? I want to refer to just two key scriptures. One from Ephesians and one from Colossians. And both of these refer to the effect of the stone of the resurrection tomb. Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 6 reads, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with him. I'm sorry that the last couple of lines disappeared. I spent about half an hour trying to get them to appear on the screen last night. I thought I'd fixed it, but I hadn't. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden. With Christ in God. You might notice that I've highlighted a couple of words up there, a couple of phrases uh, in yellow. I have this marvellous Bible at home. I bought it for about, it comes in two volumes. I, I paid about $5 for it at the Salvos at one of their um, op shops. But it's a wonderful Bible because above every word in it, it's got a reference to the Strong's number. So you can look up that word in the Strong's concordance. But it also has a, a, has a key above every word that tells you about the original Greek meaning or Hebrew or Aramaic as the case might be. And uh, David and Ainsley will know more about this than I do. But the bits I've got in yellow are aorist, active, indicative. Now, that doesn't mean a lot on its own. But let me tell you what it does mean. It means that God was active in times past to effect what these verses say. In other words, there is nothing that we can do other than to believe in the stone of the resurrection tomb, the tomb from which Christ emerged victorious over death. There is nothing we need to do except to place our faith in Jesus Christ who was raised to resurrection life from that tomb. That's all we have to do. And the transaction is complete because God who is rich in mercy has already made us alive together with Christ. And he has already raised us up together. And he has already made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Spiritually speaking, that's where we are. We're his brothers and sisters, literally, in God's eyes. And it's already done. If then you were raised with Christ, already done, by the active intervention of God, way back on that first resurrection Sunday. It's interesting that this passage finishes with the statement, For you died. You see, indeed those of us who have become followers of Jesus Christ in God's eyes 
were crucified with him on the cross. And there's five or six references to that in the New Testament. In God's eyes, you see, that's how sin was dealt with. He became the sacrifice, and in God's eyes, we were crucified with him on the cross. Therefore, the penalty for sin is paid. And we are now seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And it says in Ephesians that Jesus Christ himself is seated at the right hand of the Father. And in Jewish thinking, the right hand was the hand of favour. So Jesus Christ is seated right next to God. He's seated on the favour side. And where his brothers and sisters seated with him. And he intercedes for us with God for our every need. We do indeed have much to celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday. Because our stone is the stone of the resurrection tomb. The tomb where by the miraculous intervention of God in human history, the stone was rolled away and the man was resurrected to eternal life back as a spirit being and he is seated with God in heaven. He came to earth as a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man, but he was resurrected as Jesus of the Trinity. And we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's something worth remembering when we might feel frustrated, we might feel disappointed, we might feel put upon, we might feel neglected, dejected, rejected. But the truth is, as far as God is concerned, He has already placed us with Jesus Christ at His 